Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Carrie Wagner shares some of her thoughts on living mission as a single person in the church. Our next speaker has served with Focus for 12 years, where she has accompanied more than 15 women into their vocation as a religious sister or a married woman. She currently serves as a regional director for the South Area team, where she gets to accompany eight team directors and upwards of 40 missionaries on campus. Today, she's going to be speaking on living mission in the church as a single person and the radical call to generosity we are called to live in our state in life. Please help me welcome Carrie Wagner. Have you ever heard of Christopher McKinless? His story is captured in the book and movie Into the Wild. In 1992, Christopher was 24 years old and he embarked on an adventure across the US, hitchhiking to Alaska in hopes of living a simple and solitary life in the wilderness. A few weeks before he died, Christopher made a note in one of his books. It said, Happiness is only real when shared. Hmm. Within that statement, I think there's both profound wisdom, but also a subtle lie we can believe as single people. On the one hand, I imagine Christopher was reflecting on his experience living alone in the wilderness. Perhaps he did feel a lack because he wasn't sharing his life with other people. But I think where the subtle lie creeps in is that sometimes as single people, we can think that we're doomed to a life of unhappiness. Now, in a real sense, it's easy to believe this lie and for it to take root in our hearts because there is an ache. There is a longing in our heart to make a gift of ourselves in love to another. In a vocation, It is the clear, concrete, and committed way that we make a gift of ourselves to other people in love. And so as single people, we do feel that lack. But at the same time, I think it's easy for us to believe the lie that we are alone. And that is not true. Because the truth is that by virtue of our baptism, and even in our very nature, We exist in community. Not only were we born into a biological family, but when we were baptized, in reality, we became sons and daughters of the Father. In reality, we were brought into the mystical body of Christ and we became brothers and sisters. And in reality, we become another Christ and we're called to lay our lives down like he did in love. So, as we spend our time together today, I do want to affirm that we are slightly different if you find yourself not yet in your vocation. But the truth is, we have the same call as everyone else. We're called to love. We're called to love God with our whole mind, 
heart, soul, and strength. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. Even Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And while a vocation gives us that clear, concrete, and committed path to make a gift of ourselves, we too can make a gift of ourselves in love. And I want to focus on the one gift that we often possess that many people in their vocation don't. And that's the gift of availability. Now, I'm not going to assume that all of you have all of this free time, but I do think that we are more able to be flexible with our time. Everybody has the same number of hours in the day. It's just a matter of how we prioritize it. And I'm gonna invite you to prioritize three main ways to make a gift of yourself in love, because herein lies our mission in the church. So the first, our relationship with God. The second, our relationships with others in fellowship. And the third, is our relationships with others in service. So the first, our relationship with God. It doesn't matter your state in life, this is always the first priority. And the reason why is because this is our true end. We are made for God. Our whole purpose in this life is to experience participation in the eternal exchange of love in the Trinity. So, what does that mean for us on a daily basis? I think it's about us recognizing what St. Augustine said so clearly in his confessions. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That ache that we talked about before, our vocation isn't going to fill it. <laughs> it's always going to be there because that ache ultimately is our longing for infinite love. It's our longing for God himself. So practically, we can use our availability to prioritize God in our lives. Now, I'm not sure where you're at. Maybe you don't have any prayer life right now at all. Um, maybe you're going to mass on Sunday and uh, you're going to confession every once in a while. Or maybe you're praying a holy hour every day and you're going to mass every day. Um, maybe you are going to confession once a week. Like I'm not really sure where you're coming from, but wherever you are, I want to encourage you to assess what's my disposition because the disposition of heart is key in this relationship. It's a disposition of receptivity. God is our Father, and He wants to give Himself to us as His children. And we can learn from Jesus' example. In the midst of His public ministry, we find Him continually retreating to the mountain, to the desert, to pray so He can be with the Father. So He can come to know what the Father desires for Him, but ultimately that He can just come to receive the love that He has for Him as His Son. So, for you, are you creating that space in your heart to receive the love from our Father? And the way to do this is creating silence in your life. So whether that's in the silence of your room or going to a church or adoration chapel, I encourage you to start making time or to make a little bit more time. And I actually want to challenge you, because of your flexibility as a single person, 
to make the sacrifice and go to a church or to an adoration chapel. And the reason I share this is because Jesus has humbled himself to become a piece of bread for all time, just so he could be with us. And I think we might have tasted this a bit during the COVID shutdown, that we missed Jesus in the Eucharist. And for us, we may actually have the flexibility to go a little bit out of our way to drive to a church that's open or to an adoration chapel that's available to us and to spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament because he's waiting there for us. And with that, I want to encourage you in the silence to open your heart to God as a father and as a friend. Prayer is as simple as a simple glance towards heaven. It's sharing with him all of our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, and then it's waiting for him to respond. And sometimes when I was first starting to pray, I was like, am I supposed to like hear something or is there gonna be like a locution? And this is where learning to pray with the scriptures is beautiful because that in fact is the way that he speaks to us. The words written in scripture are living and active and he speaks to our hearts through those things. So whether it's Lexio Divina or Ignatian meditation, I encourage you to start praying with the scriptures because we learn to hear his voice and him whisper in reality how much he loves us. So I encourage you first to start with prayer, creating space in your life for silence, and I challenge you to go and spend time with the Blessed Sacrament and with scripture. And the other way I think we can really um, use our availability to grow in our relationship with God is in the sacraments. I remember going on a mission trip to a remote village and I found out that this village only received mass once a year. And it was because of the shortage of priests. And I thought to myself, gosh, back home, there are like 10 masses that I can go to in a day. <laughs> and I realized what a gift it was that I had access to mass into the Eucharist like I did. So if not for just a sheer desire to love God for, him sa for his own sake, or out of a desire to grow in your own relationship with him by receiving him in the blessed sacrament and laying your life down with Jesus in the sacrifice of the mass, maybe consider going to mass more regularly as a member of the mystical body to be an avenue of grace to win Grace for souls that can't receive the sacraments in the way that they would like. That has profound meaning, profound purpose, and that's a gift that we have in our availability. And the second um, sacrament to use our availability to receive is confession. So we all know confession's a little harder to come by depending on where you are. And uh, oftentimes it's uh, limited availability makes it really hard to even get to confession. So my encouragement to you is, number one, find the opportunities for confession in your area and maybe drive a little farther to a parish that has more confession opportunities to avail yourself of the sacrament. Or be willing to wait in that longer line on a Saturday morning, even though you don't want, you would rather be doing something else. Because this encounter with God's mercy changes everything. Especially as we await the gift of our vocation it's so easy to fall into different temptations as we grasp for love. And to be able to let Jesus meet us in that place and to show us how much he loves us as we are 
and how much he longs to satisfy that ache, it is a profound gift, a profound mercy, and it increases the intimacy in our relationship with God so much. So I encourage you to use your availability for prayer and for the sacraments so that God really can be the first person in our lives. Secondly, our relationship with community, our relationship with our brothers and sisters. So I want to make a a distinction here. Um, We could live in a lot of different relationships at work, at our gym, at the grocery store, with our roommates. We have a lot of different kinds of relationships that we experience every day. Um, But this kind of relationship, I mean, is a life-giving reciprocal relationship. Some people call them virtuous friendships. Some people call it fellowship, uh, communal living. But it's entering into friendship with people who are striving after the same things as you. Virtue, faith, learning to love like God loves, and being able to share life together. Um, And this is so key because we do need to receive not only from God, we also need to receive from our friends, from our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, I will admit that as a single person, this can be the most frustrating and difficult one to pursue. Because again, this depends a lot on your circumstances. Maybe you just moved to a new city and you literally know not a soul. Um, Maybe you are working a job with crazy hours or you work the night shift and all the social events that are happening are happening when you're at work. Or maybe uh, you are just uh, in a new situation at a new parish and you don't know a single young person that's walked through the doors all year. And so you're just asking yourself, Lord, where am I supposed to find these friends? And this is where I have four practical tips for you. (laughs) The first is adjust your expectations. It's very hard to Uh, accept the reality that there are seasons of friendship. And as a single person, this is one of the greatest crosses because you want so badly to live in committed communal life. That's what we're made for. And when you're moving from town to town, from job to job, from friend to friend, it feels so unstable. But it actually isn't realistic for us to expect one person or one group of people to accompany us for the rest of our lives. God does provide for our needs, but we do have to accept that it may be for one season at a time. And moreover, especially if you're struggling in your relationship with God, it's really important to adjust your expectations to not put all of your desire for friendship in one person, because this is where we can start to expect way too much from them. And that's actually really unhelpful in navigating a healthy friendship. So. The first uh, bit of advice is just have realistic expectations that friends will come and go um, and that there's no one person who can really be that committed source of friendship uh, for the course of our lives. Now, God often does give us people who accompany us um, as kind of a thread throughout our lives, um, but he does want to give us different gifts at different times throughout um, throughout our life, but also our particular situation being single. The second tip, pray. God does know our needs. He knows that we need friends. Ask him to provide you with friends. 
and be open to the ways that he is providing them for you. Sometimes we have in our minds a very specific kind of friend that we're looking for. And this is what makes it really challenging to receive what he's providing. So this is my third tip. Think outside the box. Sometimes, especially as young adults, if that is who you are watching, we really are looking for people who are our peer to fulfill this need for friendship in our lives. We're looking for people who are in the same state in life, the same age, they're in the same city, so that we can share our lives with them. And that's really good. We should start there, absolutely. But sometimes that's not available. And God is providing us with this communal experience, this fraternal um, shared life with other people. And that's where we need to think outside the box. So maybe you have some married friends where, yeah, they are a little less available, but turns out they need friends too. And so can you build a really life-giving friendship with them because of your past experiences or because they go to your parish? Uh, maybe you have some people who are a little bit older or a little bit younger than you, and you can form some kind of accountability group or scripture study or small group, even though they're not exactly the same age as you. Or maybe there are just mentors in your life that can really be a source of encouragement along the way, uh, and you can schedule some coffee dates or lunch dates so that they can continue to be that source of friendship and communal investment. And then the last piece of advice that I have in building fellowship is um, Oh, the dramatic pause is appropriate. You got to put yourself out there. <laughs> so this, this is why it's so hard. Because when you're in college or you're in a youth group or something like that, the friends are just around you. You do have to put effort in. But when you move into a parish, as you all know, I'm preaching to the choir, it is so difficult to build friendships with people. And so you have to be willing to put yourself out there, to initiate, and even to get rejected. And it is lonely and it is hard, but it is worth it. So what are some ideas? This is where I want to encourage you. If you're moving back to the place you grew up, reach out to some old friends or acquaintances and see if you can get coffee or lunch and catch up with them. See if that happens to be a source of, of real friendship there. Or you're at Sunday Mass and you see somebody who's remotely your age, sit near them. Or after Mass, go up to them. Put your hand out and say, hi, I'm Carrie. I'm just looking to meet people at the parish. What's your name? Cool, how long have you been going here? What's your experience been? You know, just like start a conversation. It'll probably be a little bit awkward, but whatever. They're probably looking for friends too. Um, and then uh, another way you can do it is look at what are the opportunities around you. So is there a young adult sports league or a book club or a small group or some kind of um, Christian community that's built up in your city? And sign up for it. Try it out, see if you like it, see if you can meet friends that way. And this is the advice that I personally don't love, but it is true. For all of you introverts out there, uh, muster up the courage, maybe find a friend and go to those young adult events that are happening uh, in your city. I know that it can feel a little bit uncomfortable or awkward to walk into a, a huge mixer, uh, especially alone. But the truth is you probably have so much in common with them. It's just the hardest part is getting there and starting the conversation. So that last piece of advice is put yourself out there. Now, I have two other final points on this topic of fellowship and communal life. The first is that while you're building up this uh, experience of friendship where you live, you don't have to do it by yourself. 
While virtual friendships cannot replace having real lived experience every day with people, it can be a source of support as you're making that transition. So you can do a virtual Bible study with people from fr friends from the past, from college, from your old community, um, or maybe just keep in touch with some friends over the phone. That can be a good lifeline as you're building that source of community and support. And the second uh, final, or this final thought that I have here, the second thought is be wary of the synthetic or artificial ways we experience emotional connection. So as young adults, or just uh, in our culture at large, one of the primary ways that we connect with people is on social media. And one of the primary ways that we recreate is through entertainment. And I, I think it's just important for us to, to have this as a watch out, that the reason that there, we, we gravitate towards those things is it, it does provide some kind of emotional experience. With social media, it gives us this sense that we're connected to a lot of different people. But I think we've all found ourselves in the spot where we're just scrolling for hours. <laughs> and we find ourselves feeling like we're connected, yet we get sadder and more discouraged and maybe start comparing ourselves to other people. And then we're really dissatisfied with our lives. <laughs> and that's not what relationship does. Relationship draws us out of ourself and, and gives us the joy of connecting with another person. And so there's this artificial nature of social media that doesn't really give us a true avenue towards relationship. I'm not villainizing it as a whole, but in general, we have to be really wary of trying to fill our real need for friendship in this way. And the second um, caveat, if you will, is how we experience recreation. So recreation is meant to build us back up. And that's what friendship does. But oftentimes when we get together with other people, or even when we're starting to get tired of putting ourselves out there again and again, we start to find rest in streaming sites, Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, all these different places. And it, it actually does simulate the emotional experience of a friendship. Think about it. You're entering into a story and there's drama and you laugh and you experience some kind of connection but at the end of it, you didn't make a gift of yourself at all. And that's what friendship is all about. It's actually making a gift of yourself and receiving the gift of the other person in return. And so while it, it's weird because it's, it simulates this emotional connection, but it doesn't nourish you with the real experience of giving yourself away and it doesn't mature you in love. And so I just want, uh, I mean, I think we all know that these are temptations, but truthfully, when I'm really lonely, it's super easy to spiral in both of those things because it's easier and it's comfortable. So be wary of those things and really seek to push yourself out of your comfort zone to seek out real communal friendship. Okay, last area we should be investing our availability is in making a gift of ourselves to others in service. So where do we start here? Well, just look around you. Who are the people in your life and what are we supposed to do? Well, the, the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy are a great place to start. Jesus was pretty clear in Matthew 25 that this is the way that he knows that we have loved like he has loved, that we've made a gift of ourselves. So what are some ideas? Well, maybe it's just helping your neighbor with some yard work or doing dishes for your roommate or calling up those married friends and invite or at, 
offering to babysit for them so that they can go on a date night or they can go to confession or to adoration because they aren't as flexible and available. Maybe it's offering to volunteer at your parish and do youth ministry or help at the local food bank. Maybe it's uh, offering to coach or mentor kids at the local school or just go to your nieces and nephews' sports games and encourage them and find joy in what they're doing. It could also be something that's a little bit more distant. Maybe we're not able to go into the prisons right now. Maybe we're not able um, to go visit nursing homes. But perhaps you have an elderly relative or friend that's really lonely. Maybe you could give them a call or stop by their house for a visit. Or perhaps you pass a prison on your way to work and you can pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet or a Rosary for them. And perhaps you know people that you could attend their funeral uh, who don't have as many relatives or friends in the area. Or you could just go to the cemetery and pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet for, for the souls in purgatory there. The idea is not just to do more. That's a big caveat I want to make. Activism is not what I'm going after here. Doing more is not going to just make us happy automatically. The whole idea is how are we making a concrete gift of ourselves to others that typically a vocation affords or provides. And with that, um, I want to leave you with uh, a thought from Pope Francis that he wrote in his Apostolic Exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium. He said, life grows by being given away and it weakens in isolation and comfort. And again, as I mentioned before, it's so easy for us to turn in on ourselves, especially when we start to feel this ache and to look for any sort, any number of things, whether it's people or activities to fill this void. But that is not what's going to fulfill us, nor is it what we're called to. Life grows by being given away. So again, how are you making yourself uh, a gift to others? How are you finding friendship in communal living? And how are you prioritizing God in your life, who is our ultimate end? And my last thought for you has been something I've been reflecting on quite a bit upon the recommendation of many wise people older than me, and that's be grateful. It's really easy sometimes to feel like our lives are on hold as we wait for our vocation, <laughs> that our holiness, our happiness, our mission is on hold. But God is loving us today. He's giving us gifts today. Father Walter Chiswick was a Jesuit who longed to evangelize in Russia. And eventually he was given that opportunity in the midst of the war. And he ended up uh, being exposed as a priest and he was sent to one of the most infamous prisons, Lubyanka, for five years. Some of those years being in solitary confinement. And after that, he ended up being sent to the gulags in Siberia for 15 years of forced labor. And in his book, He Leadeth Me, he talks about his experience recognizing that God's will is in the circumstances of our lives. Sometimes we think we'll be holier if we were just married or in a convent or a priest. But the truth is, he's giving us all the graces we need to be holy now. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. 
And the Lord delights in giving us good things, and He delights when we receive them as such. So, how do we live our lives as single people in the church? Well, pretty much the same as everybody else. <laughs> we just have to learn to be loved and to love. And in making that gift of ourselves in concrete ways, we will discover our mission. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.